Welcome to Inclusive Gathering Birmingham. My name is Danielle and my pronouns are she, her. If you haven't been with us before, we're an inclusive and affirming faith community. And one of the key things about us is that we try to form community based on everyone being included, uh, not by um, certain groups or certain types of people being excluded. And we see that as a, as a way of forming our spirituality together, that what, it, what do we need to do together to understand one another's differences, to learn, and to grow because we all have different backgrounds we all have different ways of thinking we have different um, experiences and so um, a, a big part of what it can look like to to grow spiritually together is to work out how we how we live with difference and so today um, we've got a special guest with us a friend named Rajiv Sidhu who is a um, he's a Church of England ordinand and he's also a liberation theologian that um, his specialty is looking into this uh, this area of where where our different kind of identities intersect with one another and you'll hear the term probably intersectionality thrown around a few times and that is a kind of word that's been in increasingly used to describe just that it's like all the different pieces and parts that make us who we are uh, can have an impact on how we relate to one another and how we view the world how we view faith um, so I'm looking forward to having Raj with us and we'll hear from him in a little bit so wh whether you're gay or straight, uh, whatever your gender identity, whatever your race or ethnicity, your theological, philosophical background, your politics, we invite you to be with us as you are today. And don't feel like you need to hide any part of your identity. You can just come with us as you are. And uh, we really, really want to make you feel welcome. Hello, my name is Lou. I'm doing a question for sure today. So the question today is, what is something about you that others might not know? It could be something you've done, an element of your personality, or a secret dream about the future, or anything that you like to share with us. So my sharing for you today would be a habit that I developed during the lockdown last year, which is gardening. I just find the whole thing very encouraging and it's just so positive and to see a new bud, you know, coming out or a flower blossom. It, they're just full of life and so positive. And so during Easter, I have planted the seeds by uh, sent from the inclusive gathering. So it'd be interesting to see what will come out of them. So that's it for today. Have a nice day. Hello, I'm Josh. I'm a member here at Inclusive Gathering and also an intern with the Birmingham Methodist District. Now, the prayer I'm about to read was written by Martin Luther King Jr. When our eyes do not see the gravity of racial justice, shake us from our slumber and open our eyes, O Lord. When out of fear we are frozen into inaction, give us a spirit of bravery O Lord. When we try our best but say the wrong things, give us a spirit of humility, O Lord. When the chaos of this dies down, give us a lasting spirit of solidarity, O Lord. When it becomes easier to point fingers outwards, help us to examine our own hearts, O Lord. God of truth, 
in your wisdom enlighten us. God of hope, in your kindness heal us. Creator of all people, in your generosity guide us. Racism breaks your heart. Break our hearts for what breaks yours, O Lord. Ever-present God, you called us to be in relationship with one another and promise to dwell wherever two or three are gathered. In our community, we are many different people. We come from many different places, have many different cultures. Open our hearts that we may be bold in finding the riches of inclusion and the treasures of diversity among us. We pray in faith. Amen. Hi, I'm Joel, and I'm going to be doing our reading today. Uh, these are just some excerpts from the story of Jesus and the woman at the well. A woman, a Samaritan, came to draw water. Jesus said, would you give me a drink of water? His disciples had gone to the village to buy food for lunch. The Samaritan woman, taken aback, asked, how come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans. Jesus answered, If you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink, and I would give you fresh, living water. The woman said, Sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with, and this well is deep. How are you going to get this living water? Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well and drank from it, he and his sons and livestock, and passed it down to us? Jesus said, Everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be a spring within them, gushing fountains of endless life. The woman said, Sir, give me this water so I won't ever have to be thirsty, won't ever have to come back to this well again. He said, Go call your husband and then come back. I have no husband, she said. That's nicely put. I have no husband. You've had five husbands and the man you're living with now isn't even your husband. You spoke the truth there, sure enough. Oh, so you're a prophet. Well, tell me this, our ancestors worshipped God at this mountain, but you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place for worship. Believe me, woman, the time is coming when you Samaritans will worship the Father neither here at this mountain nor there in Jerusalem. It's who you are and the way you live that counts before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. Hello, my name is Rajiv and I'm training for ministry in the Church of England. I'm really excited to join you today. I'm going to be talking about faith, identity and inclusion. But before we start that conversation, it's probably worth sharing what those things mean to me and sharing a bit of who I am. So I am a second generation Indian um, who's 
British Indian, although I um, identify more as a Londoner, so I suppose that would make me more English Indian, although on the census form I was British Indian. I describe myself as working class, I love Lidl and Aldi, um, and I grew up in East London. I have a son and a daughter, um, twins, and I am married to my wife, um, so I'm cisgendered, heteromale, and my pronouns are he, him. Before starting to train um, for Church of England ministry as a trainee vicar, um, I was a teacher for 10 years. I started teaching in East London and then I also taught on the Isle of Wight. I finished up as assistant head teacher um, before starting on this calling. Faith, identity and inclusion are three things that are close to my heart. I am an LGBTQ ally and I have a lot of love for both inclusive gathering and red letter Christians. My current research, quite topical at the moment, is focusing on racism and the Church of England and particularly how exclusive theologies hurt the gospel. Throughout my life, teaching, preaching and as a student, inclusion has been a core part of who I am. I know what it feels like to be excluded by a group of people for no real reason apart from being different and how hurtful that is. So I hope that gives you a bit of a flavour of who I am. And flavour is a really useful word. Flavours and taste offer us a way of understanding who we are and our identity. This is a picture of vanilla ice cream. I wonder what your favourite flavour ice cream van is. Ice cream is from the ice cream van. Each of us is more than one flavour though. There are different parts of us that have different influences. So that means we have our own unique flavour from each of these aspects of us. We live in full and full and complicated lives. We experience life differently. It's the beauty of humanity. There are different aspects to who we are, our identity, as this mind map shows. Audrey Lord is right. There is no such thing as a single issue struggle. There are so many different things that feed into what makes you, you and me, me. This phrase, intersectionality, tries to explore those differences. It looks at the different aspects of what makes us who we are to give us a deeper understanding of ourselves and of each other so that we can love more compassionately. Intersectionality gives us a way into reaching into these tensions and dynamics which are the fullness of life and that's an incredibly powerful image to hold on to as we move into a Christian idea of communion. Intersectionality is not a new idea it was coined in 1989 by Kimberly Crenshaw who was working in law and realized that discrimination laws weren't working because people were being discriminated against for multiple reasons, gender and race, so no one law did the job. There was no single flavour of discrimination. Intersectionality, therefore, allows us to celebrate the multiple flavours of who we are, to explore the insights into who we are. Even in the title for today's talk, there are three flavours that we are exploring. What we believe, faith, who we are, identity, 
and what we do with that inclusion. These are significant issues in today's world. And these are issues that the Bible speaks into. I think Jesus and the woman at the well really helps us unpack the issues of faith, identity and inclusion to see what's important. In the story of the woman at the well, we find a woman who is at the margins of society. Culturally, she has particular roles to do based on her gender. But for readers at the time, this woman's ethnicity, her beliefs and her identity make Jesus's actions even more scandalous. She's Samaritan. She's from outside of God's people. The journey Jesus is making is not one that people readily took in those times. For precisely this reason, they walked three extra days to avoid having to pass through Samaritan territory. Worst of all, beyond her gender and her, her ethnicity, is what she's done and who she is in her community. The fact she has to draw water in the middle of the heat of the day shows that she can't be seen amongst the other women who would draw water in the cooler times of the day. She's exclusion personified. Scandal for her own people and for the Jews. The choices that she had made around her body had left her here, alone, by the well. She didn't know what intersectionality meant, but she knew what it was to be excluded. She knew what it meant to be shunned. She knew who she was, and she knew exactly how society valued her. She didn't need a special word to describe what she was experiencing. She lives in existence at the very edge. She lives in a hurting world, full of pain and shame. And yet, where do we find Jesus? What do we see Jesus do? Firstly, he speaks to her. He reaches into her isolation, despite knowing who she is and seeing into her way more than anyone else could. Not only does he speak to her, but he asks her for a drink. When Jews wouldn't even use the vessels that Samaritans had touched, they were unclean. And in this interaction, we see Jesus sharing in her humanity. He doesn't deny who she is or what she's done. He, of all people, has the reason to shun her. But he sees through her gender, her ethnicity and her sexuality. He sees through the individual aspects to get to the whole person. And he values that person. He values this woman, this woman. When others would ignore her, he not only sees her and shares with her, but he reveals his divinity to her. And that revelation is life-changing, not only for her, but for the disciples as well. We pass over this moment really quickly in our Bibles. But Jesus and his disciples stay with the Samaritans for two days. This means sharing in the Samaritans' food vessels, living in their houses and being part of their homes, eating and drinking and breathing their world. Living, breathing and tasting a world that their own world told them to shun. They shared in it and they gave to it. 
with Jesus sharing his word with them before they leave two days later. This, this is the radical love of the gospel. This is the love that never fails, that never gives up, that never walks out. This is the love that understands the fullness of the human condition and loves it with an all-consuming love. The love of Jesus is not just a candy floss pink cloud love. It's a love that reaches and embraces each aspect of who we are, that surrounds us and transforms us to be who we are fully called to be in God. The love of Jesus is a place where we can become whole. So what does this all mean and how can this help us in our journey as disciples of Christ? There are three pictures on this slide. The first one is how the world tries to make us see ourselves as individuals on our own, no connections. But that's not the way of the world. We are connected to each other. That's where the second picture comes in, with the dots that are joined up, the interconnected dots. We are relational people. But the problem is, these diagrams are only two-dimensional. Love comes from heaven, which is why I love this image of the cross, where you see God's love reaching down from above, but also reaching across barriers. This is the basis of the Christian life, of love between God and ourselves. The world is rich and full of flavours. This is an image of Camden Market and what I love about Camden Market is how different ethnicities and cultures sit side by side. And whilst each member of this community is distinct, they are one. They don't have to trade who they are to be in this place. They are welcomed because of who they are, and being who they are makes this community a better and stronger community. In fellowship, walking alongside each other, being gloriously different and yet being one at the same time. So what does this mean as we come to the end of our time together? Sometimes I think we spend too much time thinking about where we're coming from, and not enough time talking about our destination. The destination is important. When you're in an airport, you don't really need to know where you are. You already know that. You're in the airport. You need the departure boards to know where you're going. So, where are we going? That's a really hard question, but with a surprisingly simple answer. Communion. The Christian journey is about communion, about being together with each other and with God, the Eucharist, the Mass. Think about the two most important commandments. Where do they take us? To this place of communal fellowship, of communion. That's why it's so important to be right with each other. And being right with each other is really hard. It's not easy at all. Because firstly, you have to be right with yourself. You have to understand who you are, who you really are. And accepting and seeing and believing that actually it's okay for you to be you in this world, fully you. 
because that's who you're called to be. And then to be with others in this understanding of who you are and who they are. And it's so easy to get it wrong, to misgender, to use a racist phrase, to be classist, unintentionally, but with horrific hurt. What can we do with that? I think the answers in Jesus' example at the well. To love anyway. To forgive. And to repent. And through this cycle of forgiving and repentance. Reach communion. To forgive yourself. To forgive others. And to love it's a tough journey. But that's why we are called the body of Christ. We're on this journey together. And the destination, the destination is love. Not our own love, but the love of God, which is beyond all understanding. At the heart of communion is that love that reaches and shares and reveals God's love, just as Jesus did with the woman at the well. A deeply spiritual connection that moves beyond social distancing, face masks and Zoom. A radical, inclusive love. A love that has us all in our glorious differences, yet one body at the same time. Camden Market, 2.0. That's the destination. That's what we're called to be part of. And that's the journey we are on. There's so much injustice in the world, it can be difficult to know where to start. I pray that we would have the same experience as the woman at the well, that we would have the wisdom to start with Jesus. Amen. Thank you very much for having me. My name's Kat, my pronouns are she and her, and I'm the fundraising and initiatives manager for Stonewall Housing. I've worked at Stonewall Housing for 11 years, um, actually started as a volunteer, and then um, I went into key working for seven years. So I key worked young people living in our supported accommodation projects. And then I went on to manage that uh, for two or three years. And then in 2019, I took up fundraising um, and initiatives. So I've kind of seen the organization go through a lot of uh, change um, and society as a whole go through a lot of change in, in, in 11, 12 years. Um, so I feel very privileged to do my job um, that I do for the community. Stonewall Housing was formed in 1983. We were um, started as a co-op by uh, two lesbians, two gay men who had experienced uh, barriers accessing housing themselves um, as lesbian and gay men. They had been kicked out by their parents and um, had noticed a lot of young younger people in the queer community um, homeless as well. This was in the height of the AIDS epidemic and um, Section 28. It was a really, really difficult, scary time for, for young queer people. Um, and so they started this eight bed co-op uh, just as somewhere safe to rest your head for the night while you sort of got a plan together. Uh, lots of uh, young gay and lesbian people would flock to London when they came out because cities 
typically are more diverse and more, you know, more opportunities, etc. So um, lots and lots and lots of uh, lesbian and gay men were coming to, to the city. Um, it's a project that we still occupy today, which I'm very proud of. Um, we were the first uh, charitable organisation to receive funding to specifically look at the need uh, and housing provision for LGBT people. And so ever since then, our services have sort of grown to meet the needs of our community. Uh, we now have six supported accommodation projects across North and East London. Four are for 16 to 25 year olds. One is for over 25 year olds. Um, and one is the UK's only trans and non-binary specific supported accommodation. We also have a national housing advice line. That's for any LGBT person of any age uh, to give us a call uh, and speak to us about their housing issues or options. Something that we say to people a lot is, um, or th that we hear a lot from people is, oh God, I wish I'd known about you um, years ago or six months ago. Um, and what we say to people is don't wait until you feel homeless enough. Wait, don't wait, you know, call us, let us help you make a plan. At least you know what your options are um, and we can help you make safety, safety planning, emergency planning, like whatever it is, we, we can talk to you about it. We also have mental health advocacy and domestic abuse services and support to anyone that's LGBT. Um, so we also deliver uh, training uh, specifically to housing professionals, um, but anyone really that's going into the homes of LGBT people, that could be, you know, your, your Sky um, installer or your repairs operative, um, if, you, if you're living in a housing association or a council accommodation property, uh, we wanna make sure that anyone that is LGBT feels safe in their own home, doesn't have to de-gay their own home, which happens so often. Um, before they let strangers into their home to do things. So uh, we train um, front-facing um, housing professionals um, on literally sometimes the, the basics, like here is how you ask someone's pronouns appropriately, uh, that kind of thing. Um, we also run services for youth. Uh, so we've got the House of Stonewall, which is our ambassador pro project. That's um, our current service users and our alumni that come together to help raise awareness and help with fundraising initiatives for, for the organization to make sure that we, we still go, we, we keep going. Um, I think that's about it. <laughs> we, do, we do a lot um, and we wanna grow and we wanna get bigger and we've got so much more, more to do. Wow, yeah, there's so much in that. That's just really, yeah, really important things that, you know, I've, I've personally experienced like having people come into the house and then feeling that awkward thing of, oh, they're just going to think we're roommates and, and mm -hmm. that's so, mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's so cool to hear all the different stuff you do and really, really vital life-giving stuff for people as well, it sounds like. Sure. I'd love to ask kind of on behalf of this community, like specifically looking at um, queer people of faith, you know where you've seen kind of these two aspects of identity intersecting either negatively or positively in your work with people at risk of homelessness 93 percent of our service users living in our supported accommodation identify as BAME 53 percent across our entire service identify as BAME 82 percent of the young people living in our supported accommodation are of faith or from a culture that has completely disowned them because of their gender identity or sexuality 
So I haven't always had the best experience of, of learning about um, particularly young people um, of faith or of a culture or, or both who are LGBT because it's usually the, the, the source of their homelessness. Um, I've had horrible stories as the, as the housing manager and as a key worker, anything from, you know, being locked in a room and exercised for three days, corrective rape by pastors, um, forced marriage, um, FGM, honor-based violence, sexual violence from family members. It's kind of, that's, that's the kind of stories that, that, that we hear. Something we hear a lot is that even from the young people themselves, they'll say, you know, my parents aren't anti-gay, they're pro-family or they're pro-culture or they're pro-community. They're worried about what the community is going to say rather than them actually condemning or wanting to disown their child. And for me, that's even sadder. Yeah, it's, it's not always been positive stories um, about faith um, or religion, but that's not to say that those stories don't exist and we want to hear from communities and churches and groups such as um, Inclusive Church to, to hear these, to, 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 to shine that light as well. It's not just about, it's all awful. We wanna hear the success stories, the celebration stories so that we can show this to our young people as well and say, you know, you can be both. There are safe spaces for you. They're doing it in Birmingham. They're doing it in Manchester. They're doing it in London. You know, they're doing it around the corner from you. So yeah, it's just as important to capture those stories as it is to, to highlight what's what's happening in our service. Absolutely, yeah, I think, you know, within our community, we've had people who've had a whole range of, of both positive and negative experiences as living as a, as a queer person of faith. And I think um, it's amazing that those of us who are here have managed to find that community and hopefully we feel like we found our safe space, but it's important for us to keep extending that invitation to people who haven't found that yet and who really need that support and that community. It's so sad when you see someone that you're, that I'm delivering support to, whose whole life has been about church and community and family. It's all they know. They've been outed somehow, or they've come out themselves thinking they're gonna have a completely different response. Um, and now all of a sudden you can imagine, you know, 17 is an awful, hey, I wouldn't go back and be 17 again. It's hard enough as it is. And then to navigate your way through homelessness and having none of your community, none of your family, um, you know, we often have to move people out of their boroughs for safety. Um, so being in a completely new area, not knowing what, what is going on. Now on that, you know, what can inclusive churches and other inclusive religious groups do to be you know that lifeline to the person who needs it to keep kind of yeah creating safe spaces and inclusive spaces for people who are at risk of homelessness who need that what can we be doing sure. well first thing you can do is listen and and do not judge um I always say, I don't like using the word aggressive, be an aggressive ally, don't be a passive ally, be an aggressive ally. Um, you know, let let whoever that person is know that you want to help. 
um, and that you will offer, if, if it's safe to do so, a, a space on your sofa or signpost and refer, you know, everyone here I hope has Stonewall Housing's details now you can call us. You can go to our website www.stonewallhousing.org if you would like to make a donation you can go to stonewallhousing.org forward slash donate you can make a one-off gift or you can become a regular donor. Amazing well thank you so much for sharing all of that with us um, for joining us for our gathering and yeah I think we'll definitely keep looking at how we can support you in the amazing work that you do I think it's something that's really on the heart of our community. So, Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Hello, my name's Julia and uh, we're about to do the love feast. So if you'd like to go and get yourself something, uh, you have got a second or two before we start while I tell you what food I'm eating and drinking. Okay, so I'm going to have uh, a cup of tea in my um, aquarium mug and I've got some bananas and yoghurt. You can have whatever you like obviously, because you're choosing it from wherever you are. So each week we meet together online and we like to share something that we call a love feast. It's kind of our way of expressing the sharing, belonging and friendship that we have together as followers of Jesus. It's also a way for us to share some of that kind of hospitality um, and welcome that sharing food represents to us as a community. So when we were meeting in person, we could actually share our food. But now, obviously, we, we've just got to share the time that we're sharing the, and the food. So there's nothing particularly special about whatever food we've chosen. So it's just a kind of a chance to, to be with each other and remember how Jesus included everybody when he was eating together with people. This particular grace is uh, written by Kathy Galloway and is called Strong Sheltering God. Strong Sheltering God, we bless you for all the beautiful things of home, warmth and shelter when the wind outside is bitter, food for the body and for the soul, treasured gifts and treasured memories, stability, acceptance, care. We bless you for the chance to be ourselves, for the tasks that weave the pattern of our days, for the sweet familiar round of ordinary things. Blessed are you, strong, sheltering God. Amen. Okay, so let us eat. Here's my bananas. I'm going to have some tea first. Thanks for joining us today. If you've been around, you've heard us talking about the 6th of June, which is the first date that we're gonna be back meeting in Cars Lane for a physical gathering. And our hope is, and this is what we're planning to do, is to continue to develop as what they're starting to call a hybrid church. So that means we recognize that lots of folks have come along and become part of us as we've been online. And we wanna continue with that and continue to not be like two churches, one digital church, one church that meets in real life, but to, um, to find a way for us all to continue as community together. So we're working on plans for that, uh, but the 6th of June will be, will be live streamed and we're gonna do our best to make it a really integrated kind of experience and learn as we go. So the plan is that from the first week in June, we'll have that first week be um, a, a live and live streamed experience. And then all the other weeks will continue to be live streamed on Facebook Live and YouTube with Zoom as we've, um, as we've done them before. 
and then so from June it'll be the first of every month that we'll we'll start with uh, physical meetings and we'll go from there as I said we, we really aim to be a learning community so uh, we'll adjust and we'll shift and we'll change as as we recognize and learn new things and recognize what people need a bit more so thanks for joining with us today I'm going to finish with the blessing that we share every week may we live fully May we love wastefully, and may we have the courage to be all that God has created us to be.